senator, while insisting he was not intoxicated, could not explain his nudity. I'm not normally a praying man, but if you're up there, please save me, Superman! Let's face it, this is not the worst thing you've caught me doing. Hi, and welcome to the Crisis on Infinite Midlives podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. This is episode 50. Oh my goodness. 5-0. Wow. Now we're officially, we were officially middle-aged before we were 50. <laughs> now the show is officially middle-aged. Oh God. Now is when it starts breaking down. It buys itself a Porsche, <laughs> perhaps a Tesla Roadster, and starts looking for younger, hotter hosts. Yeah, I was just thinking this is the the part where like it just randomly starts to get gray hairs because it's like a sim character for no good reason, <laughs> and you try to have it do reckless things so it'll die youngish. Yeah, see that's the problem as <clears throat> as unmarried middle aged people with no kids. The only way we have to gauge real life is by the fucking Sims. <laughs> so, so what happens when you when your children reach what a week old in the video game? Yeah. Oh, they grow pubes and they start banging the kid down the street, and then suddenly there's a screaming kid. The difference with the Sims is you could take that screaming kid, pause the game, put the crib in the yard. It's true. And ignore it, and eventually social services come, and you can go back to buying a Porsche and finding younger hosts. Yeah, I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure that's still functionality in the game. They did, much to my dismay, take away the ability to uh, drown your Sims in a pool by taking away the ladder. Now they'll just climb out of the pool like they have arm strength or something. See, that was the wuss way to do it. Now, I haven't played The Sims. <laughs> I haven't played The Sims since the first one. Now I'm the one who showed you The Sims. I know, you rat bastard. And, I've lost my life. <laughs> well, the problem is I bought it so that I could get drunk and play God, um, whereas you're actually you know playing it and trying to keep these people alive. Not really. Sometimes I'll leave the room for like an hour at a time and then come back and see if they've managed to do something stupid. I mean, that's that's playing God in probably a more realistic sense. <laughs> than the type of god I like to play. I, weren't you there? The first time I showed it to you, I got hammered. Oh, yeah. And uh, I bought the family a bar. Yes, you did. And uh, I paused the game, and I removed every smoke detector and telephone from the house. Uh, and then I would take all the newspapers that were delivered and put them around the fireplace. And when a fire broke out, I kept the man of the house just at the bar drinking constantly. <laughs> And then he would try to override my orders and do something. We're like, no, you have another drink. And the house burned down and the family died. And I just cackled like a moron. It was the funniest thing I'd done <laughs> with 15 beers under my belt on that particular day. And now instead, you're <laughs> you're feeling the weight of age of your Sims. And you can't even do that now because they give all the Sims cell phones. So one way or the other, they have the ability to call out for help. Yeah, see, cell phones, they've ruined The Sims, they've ruined horror movies. Cell phones have really ruined everything <laughs> good and pure in this world. Although, to be fair, they, they do sort out the cell phone conceit in Oculus. I know we talked about this in a previous episode. So again, I'm just going to put a plug out there. Watch Oculus. All right, I, I still haven't seen it. I, okay. I meant to watch it when you fell asleep before I did the other night, but... Uh... WKRP is being rebroadcast in our local market. Well, I under and I understand. <laughs> yeah, it, you, you got to love WKRP a little bit to do something like this. This is true. So, this is oh. true. Just uh, don't huck any turkeys off of our roof. I think our our neighbors would take to it poorly. Although, yeah. if they park in back of our our condo again in like the illegal parking area in front of their garage, you have my permission to chuck up a turkey at their car. Do we have a spare frozen turkey? I'll get one. I mean, can I get oh. Les Nesman to broadcast it? 
Because it's the only way to make it worthwhile. <laughs> oh, the humanity. <laughs> I'll do, do my own Les Nesman impression. Because <laughs> you, you gotta love WKRP and Top 40 Radio to do shit like this. Come on, show a little backbone, will ya? <laughs> oh, Jesus. Somewhere in a past life, I was Dr. Johnny Fever, and I'm just never going to get over that. <laughs> I find you menacing old people. Like in in your home studio, <laughs> I don't need to pretend to be Johnny Fever to do that. So it seems like you've got some new clips lined up there, Rob. Uh, no, I've had that one for a while. I just You're made just... out of fired it for a while. Oh, okay. I I do have new audio, but it's on point for a particular topic we're going to talk about oh. in a little bit. Oh, so. how exciting! But yeah, I mean, uh, otherwise, yeah, it's just the same old shit. Looks like I picked the wrong week to quit amphetamines. <laughs> Rob, I, I see that you have your, your traditional three beers up here this week. Yeah, I do. I tried doing the show sober last week. It wasn't good for me. I'm sure it wasn't good for the listeners. <laughs> so yeah, I'm not going to fuck with a winning formula. For <laughs> Taking sake. it back to form. Yeah. Besides, it's been a hard goddamn day. I was you know, up here doing research for the show, and and Parker, the Crisis on Infinite Midlife's mascot, came up here, and uh, I've got a... A beer box, a case of beer box that I keep comics in that I haven't bagged and boarded yet. And the goddamn cat, he goes in there and he, <laughs> I swear to God, he's a fucking choke perv. <laughs> he just, he's all, he gets off on autoerotic asphyxiation because he gets in the box and he just hangs his, th his throat over the side of the box. I'm like, Parker, don't do that. And I, yeah, he starts gagging and then he looks at you like, language yeah and and i get up to try to pick him up and he snaps at my fingers like no i'm doing the best thing ever this is awesome <laughs> so i'm like all right I, you'll be fine i imagine the vagus nerve will cut in before you can do any real damage sure enough i sit down 30 seconds later he's puked all over the floor the box <laughs> the comics the, luckily the, there's no good silver age shit in there but she's like oh my god so that was a good half hour of cleaning up and and then he acts just hungry and needy all goddamn day long i'm like you're the idiot who choked yourself into vomiting <laughs> why is this my problem i've done nothing i'm just trying to write some notes on agent carter for christ's sake our cat is weird <laughs> look at us we have the cat we deserve for fuck's sake <laughs> our cat is a choke perf <laughs> writing that down yeah. <laughs> hey that's fine <laughs> uh so yes said I was trying to take some notes on Agent Carter, and that's because, uh, yeah, Marvel's new TV series, uh, limited series, I think this one's uh, eight episodes, Agent Carter yep. debuted this week. Sort of a mini-series. Yeah, I mean, based on Peggy Carter, the character from Captain America, the first Avenger, and that uh, short that I think was on Iron Man 3. Yeah, the one shot. Yeah. yeah, where she did some spy stuff and then was recruited to be a founding member of S.H.I.E.L.D. from Howard Stark. Right. Um, so yeah, premiered on Tuesday, uh, the first two episodes aired back to back. So it was like a two hour movie. Um, yeah, I mean, the ratings apparently were not bad. Uh, apparently that's 6 good. million viewers overall. I'm not sure that's really any different than Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Well, I think it's... it had to go head to head with NCIS. So, you know, competing for all of those valuable old person viewers. Oh, I'm sure my dad threw an aneurysm trying to figure out what the fuck to watch that <laughs> night. <laughs> It's like, Dad, use the DVR. I'm like, what? <laughs> Is that one of my diagnoses? Oh, Dad, for Christ's sake. It's that cheap-ass Comcast TiVo you got. Learn how to use it. So, um, so yeah, we, we watched it. Uh, I mean, because we're fans of Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. anyway. Um, yes. So, and yeah, I mean, overall, 
generally, what'd you think about it? Because, yeah, we watched it on the TiVo today, so we haven't really had a chance to talk a whole hell of a lot about it. I enjoyed it. I It, it took me a little bit to get into it. I found uh, they, they wanted very much to make the case of we're making this a period story, so we're going to be very heavy-handed with certain elements so you know that it is not the now. Um, yeah, some of the period stuff, they really did bash you over the head. I've heard all the Benny Goodman now. I really ever need to. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, it was very. It was made very clear that that Peggy Carter's coworkers are are misogynist douchebags, and okay, that that's probably how it was in the time period. Uh, very clear on this point. <laughs> yeah, it's that was hammered home early and often. That you know, okay, the GIs are coming back from the war, so. Women are getting fired from jobs, and everybody just wants her to file and get coffee, yeah. regardless of anything that that she accomplished during World War II. Yeah, and and if if she was supposed to be such a crack agent that she got to be Steve Rogers' liaison in the movie, and and Tommy Lee Jones' character felt so strongly about her abilities, it, now she's filing. <laughs> well. I, I can buy that up to a certain point. I mean, you you and me, we're, we're getting old, but we're not that old that we were there at the time. But, um, yeah, from everything you hear, historically, GIs came back. Jobs went yeah. back to them. Uh, general attitude, you know, even up until probably our parents had us. I remember my mom telling stories, and this is you know early 70s of she got a job as a teacher. Mm. And the, the first question... She was asked, are you planning to get pregnant? Because the assumption was, as soon as you got pregnant, you quit and you were out. Right. So I, I can sort of buy th that attitude of, oh, well, this is, you know, none of the women are going to here, be here forever anyway. Right. No, I, I, I got it, but it was just very, it was made very clear and and, and not subtly. <laughs> well, yeah, it, it did kind of remind me of that scene in Family Guy of, oh, look at pictures of my kids where he's slamming the wallet into the guy's face. You know, look, it's sexist, <laughs> isn't it? It's sexist for Christ's sake. Yeah. Um, although it does set up, you know, this sort of like, look how clever she is as she proceeds to do all of her coworkers' jobs behind their back and under their nose. But yeah. The question is, you know, is that clever or is that lazy writing? <laughs> well, well, it's a... Uh, oh, I forget the name of the showrunners. Tara Butters and the other one. Yeah. Jesus. Farrakis or something like yeah, that. Yeah, they Farakis. were showrunners on uh, Reaper, Reaper, which we really liked. And but I think they also were involved with the Law & Order franchises. It's possible. Yeah. There's a cult of TV showrunners out there, and I'm <laughs> not a member of it. I know maybe three or four of them. So... Yeah. I mean, but, not personally. <laughs> no, but, of them. <laughs> yeah, but uh, you have a show run by by women. There will be a more female-centric point of view, and that's fine. Yeah. And, uh, it's a valid point of view to have for the show. Oh, uh, I don't disagree. Certainly that first episode, it was, yep, okay, I, I get where you're doing. I got it. I, for fuck's sake, I understand what you're <laughs> saying. It's not fair. It's not fair for poor Peggy Carter. Jesus. <laughs> Although it did lead to one kind of neat moment. I forget if it was in like the first half of, of the two-hour thing or in the second half where there's a particularly jerk-off uh, diner patron that is, is giving one of the waitresses grief over multiple occasions. And finally, Peggy does something about it to great effect <laughs> with I mean, a fork. <laughs> yeah, a fork and a brachial artery. I mean, that's, <laughs> that, that's certainly a thing. Yeah. It's a felony. 
thing. <laughs> a thing, indeed. Felony menacing. <laughs> Just about. <laughs> the, the thing that got me with that is, why the fuck is there a waitress at an automat? I mean, that, that's one of the things it's like, look, it's the 1940s, huh? We got automats, huh? We see her going up and serving herself out of the thing. What the fuck's a waitress doing there? I, I don't know. I, I don't, I've never it's been. Like, it's like being a psychiatrist at the Terminator factory. You're not needed. It's, an automat is one of those places I always wanted to kind of try out just because it seemed like a neat idea. And I hate people. <laughs> Any, so I could just like go get things. Yeah, anything that removes me from human contact, I'm generally for. Although to be fair, it wasn't really an automat because there there were like human staff. When I worked at Harrods, hey, did I ever tell you I worked at Harrods? Oh, for Christ's sake! Yeah, <laughs> once or twice. I heard it. I lived in London for a while and yeah. I worked at Harrods. And I was a, and I was a DJ. And <laughs> these two topics are why, listener, you should never come to our fucking house. We'll bore you. We're probably boring you now. Anyway, go ahead. But uh, part of the cafeteria for the staff actually had an automat type area. Um, I mean, it also had like you know cream of Swede soup. That's a uh, that's rutabaga to to us Americans. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah, thank you for clarifying. Because cream of Swede, that's something very different in my, to my knowledge. Sure, it is. I think that's a Thor porno parody. To tell you the truth, <laughs> cream of Swede. Yeah, write down cream of Swede. That's not a terrible title. Um, but they had a whole bank of of automat like options, so you could self serve and get. Um, an egg mayonnaise sandwich, which is their way of saying egg salad. Um, it sounds oh. either better or worse, depending on your stance on mayonnaise. You're really selling the, <laughs> the English food renaissance I keep fucking hearing about. Like tandoori chicken salad sandwiches. I mean, it, it, and pie. Um, <laughs> it's the only thing that you mentioned that doesn't sound fucking poisonous. <laughs> sounds like a biological attack going on to the back of Harrods. To be fair, cream of sweet is not horrible. <laughs> Don't you look at me and fucking say that. You said you were friends. <laughs> but I, I would like to go to a real automat, is what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, good luck finding one. But, but no, that, it's, that, that was a cool moment. But yeah, that's all I was thinking of that moment is, why are there people at this automat, for God's sake? Um, the, all right, so, so let's get a little more, I don't know, simultaneously specific and general. Um, this thing has... The show has a bunch of things going for it that none of the other uh, comic book TV shows have going for it right now. And the first thing is it's self-contained. Yes. Yeah, we've got seven weeks, uh, eight episodes, I think, which means it can have a single story, uh, almost an English style. You know, yep, we're doing this and then we're out. Yeah, yeah. So you don't need to find ways to deal with long-term continuity or casting Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., one of the big problems, particularly early on that I think it had, was trying to figure out ways for it to tie into a Marvel Cinematic Universe continuity that's constantly changing with all the movies coming out. Right. So, and it was that show was very Monster of the Week for the, about the first half of its existence. Yeah. And to be fair, in retrospect, it, it was marking time. It was marking time until it could get to the big milestones of Thor the Dark World. Yeah. And, you know, really... Captain America, the Winter Soldier, which had a definite effect on S.H.I.E.L.D., which meant, yep, okay, we can take this and run with it. Right. Um, this one also, it takes place in a specific time and place. That, so, and it's a time and place when there aren't any other superheroes. <laughs> it's I, true. No, it's true. Although, it was funny in doing some of the, the back research with, um, like, ooh, who's this character? Is this actually a name of somebody who ever existed in 616? If you, um, one of the characters, Leek, 
leak. Yeah. Leet. No, I, I wrote it down. Hold on. Leet. Not brand again. I watched way too much Futurama today. Um, uh, Leet Brannis. Brannis. <laughs> um, is an actual, like, small potatoes villain who shows up once in a, a Marvel, an old, old Marvel yes. comic. <laughs> Uh, oh, I I got the details. Would you like to hear them? Sure. Uh, he appeared once in uh, All Winners, number four. Yes. Uh, which was published in early 1942. It is his only appearance until Peggy now. Carter. <laughs> um, the, but, the story was called Crime on the Rampage, featuring the wizard, yep. which was a flash knockoff who <clears throat> wore a bright yellow costume, which is an unfortunate sartorial choice given his name was Wizard. Um, <laughs> and... But the main issue of that, the main story of that issue, Scourge of the Slimy Japs. Yeah, he wasn't in that one though. That was. <laughs> uh, oh no! Uh, that... No, that was that was a Human Torch and Toro story. Yes, uh, that one <laughs> featured our heroes. The story Scourge of the Slimy Japs <laughs> had our heroes in it. That was the uh, the the war propaganda machine. Yes, but. Uh, to get back to your point, it was, yeah, somebody clearly has done some research to place this in that time, right. at least in the Marvel 616. Yeah, which makes me wonder, honestly, though, given that that particular issue where this very minor character is pulled from, um, has, you know, Human Torch and Toro, has the wizard, has um, a heretofore, like, not really talked about super soldier serum character named the Destroyer. Like I, that feels like yeah. It was one of the the stories in there. It's called uh, the Destroyer, and he goes. I don't know who he's going after, but it was Nazis. Um, okay, and it was another super soldier. Like yeah, like he got okay. he got some a, a a not perfected super soldier serum, and he he disappears at the end of the Golden Age. So he's out there somewhere. Like I I can't believe that Bendis hasn't taken the opportunity to to dig this guy up and just drive it into the now. Well, given. A large part of these first two episodes are these uh, people from Leviathan yeah. uh, have taken this formula that generates Vita Rays, mm. which were part of the original Super Soldier Serum, not only in Captain America comics, but in Captain America the First Avenger. Yeah. Uh, I've been wondering, you know, the Vita Rays thing seems like a, an awfully specific thing. I've been wondering if they were going to do something with... Uh, a Soviet super soldier. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, if there's this other super soldier with this lovely, clearly hero named the Destroyer. she uh, The Destroyer um, started life as an investigative journalist and he got thrown in prison with somebody who was also working on sol super soldier serum. And okay. that's how he got a hold of some so he could break out. Um, he has a fiance named Flora Von Banger. Um, You've got to be fucking kidding me. <laughs> Flora von Banger, meet yep. the wizard, but stand behind him. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So it just, it feels like they picked a very specific book from which to draw this one little rinky dink criminal. That's, that's pretty interesting. And cause yeah, I was, yeah, I was doing research on Soviet super soldiers and the only thing I could find was Red Guardian. Yeah. And Red Guardian has had like seven different fucking incarnations over the years through the 616. And none of them have really had any particular superpowers and none have been tied to the super soldier serum. So I'm like, eh, all right. And I put a big question mark next to it in my notes, but it's not a bad 
not just, a bad just connection. Just throwing it out there. <laughs> it's not a bad connection. So that's a possibility. You may have cracked this thing. Well, it also gives, um, uh, given that the Human Torch is the robotic version in in that particular issue and not the Fantastic Four one, right. gives them the opportunity to bring back that character without infringing, I think, potentially on Fox's use of the character. Yeah, I'm not sure how that would work. I'm honestly not sure. I'm not sure if Fox... Well, like, the very least, you could get Toro. Nobody wants fucking Toro. <laughs> Christ's sake. It's true. Yeah. It's true. It's like the most reviled and least utilized sidekick. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's like saying, you know, oh, we're going to make a Robin movie. Really? Are you? So, <laughs> who cares? But, um, but yeah, I'm not sure how the rights with uh, Fantastic Four at Fox would, would work out with Human Torch because they're completely different characters. Right, even though they look exactly the same. And we've seen a resurgence of the Jim Hammond Human Torch uh, in recent comics yep. in uh robinson's run on fantastic four he's been a part of it yeah so i think it was robinson's i don't think it was fractions but e either way we've seen him recently mm -hmm. so i suppose that's a possibility but it's a it's a possibility that is not necessary right now for this show no but it's just what do you say you know that this is a a universe that doesn't really have superheroes now that that cap is seemingly gone yeah um i do wonder about maybe not in this eight episode arc but down the line will we see a nod to a namor or a nod to a wizard oh god help us <laughs> we, <laughs> or we, the use of this destroyer character we we won't see the the wizard um the destroyer thing might be used as a plot device for this will we see other invaders if kevin Feige thinks he can make ike perlmutter a buck and get him off his neck for a little <laughs> while yes we'd absolutely see it um but right now we don't have those and that's probably a good thing for this show i don't disagree because yeah you know one of the biggest things early on in agents of shield was where are the goddamn superheroes phil colson was all but a member of the avengers <laughs> he died fighting loki yeah in front of thor he was the motivation for the team to get back together. You know, we can't even wrangle a Skype call from Tony Stark <laughs> in his new TV show. And this doesn't have to deal with that. Captain America's on ice. And even with Captain America on ice, we saw more goddamn Captain America than we almost saw fucking Howard Stark in the first episode this of this show. This he was is true. all over the thing. If Chris Evans isn't getting a big check, you know, he's sucking up some minutes of this show. I'm he sure he made a nickel. <laughs> well, given his contract, he probably didn't. It's like, oh no, your likeness, we got your likeness, we got it. That's ours. We own you, Evans. Yeah, but yeah, he was all over the thing. So, the one superhero they can really tie to, they have. They can certainly do other cameos. We started out with Howard Stark. Mm. They're exactly long enough to sort of say, oh, I dropped MacGuffins all over the Marvel Universe that you can chase for eight episodes. Well, let's, let's talk about Howard Stark and how he ties into this because he's he set up something where if it's not going to be a monster of the week kind of thing, it may be a retrieve the the tech of the week kind of thing. At least up to a point. Yeah. We, we had the, uh, oh, what the hell was the name of that goddamn chemical? Uh, nitramine. Yeah, spelled at least two different fucking ways in the episode. <laughs> um, so we've we've had that, and some of it's still. Oh no, they they've recovered all well recovered it. They chucked it into the bay and it blew up. <laughs> yes. So yeah, we'll probably see other similar technology out there. But that's where I wonder about a Human Torch because that's supposed to be an android type character, and as we're heading into 
um, Avengers Age of Ultron where Tony Stark is going to be building an android type character. That's interesting. I hadn't really If Daddy of that. did it first. Cuz yeah, my my gut is to say no, that can't possibly happen cuz Ex- except that we've already explored how Dad was one step ahead of him in coming up with the arc technology that led to his power source. That's true. With that molecule that he needed. Yeah, that's true. I guess it's possible we could see him. It would seem like an odd thing to chuck in, but uh, then again, why not? They've chucked weirder shit in there. <laughs> it just it just seems to me like there's some interesting possibilities, and I am very hung up on, it just seems like such an odd single comic book to pull this one weird criminal from, <laughs> who only ever had one appearance until now. <laughs> yeah, and it, it makes a lot of sense. The more I think about it, you know, we've got the SSR investigating these leaks. If they discover this prototype of one of Stark's bad babies, as he calls them, yeah. which is, <laughs> yeah, I created this and it can kind of think and it bursts into flames if it sees <laughs> oxygen. Yeah. That it could be buried so deep that, yeah, nobody's heard about it. But this plants the seed in this series that Tony then maybe finds early on in Age of Ultron. That's a. That's got possibilities. See, look at this. It's an English degree at work. <laughs> I know. Jesus, I sit down for like two hours on Sunday prepping for this show, and you just whip through this stuff. That's it. You're you're running the board from here on out. I'm running the board? Oh, God, help us all. I haven't done that since college. Oh, no. <laughs> there, there's cool stuff on this board. It says that he's an a-hole, <laughs> but he's not, and I'm quoting him here, 100% a dick. All I- this can be yours. All this power. I might be 100% a dick. I, it's possible. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I would have noticed. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm just sort of seizing on on this insofar as, you know, there are, there are possibilities that can be explored with hints towards the invaders without necessarily showing the invaders. Yeah, I, I think I got to say the the ship on the invaders as a team has sailed just based on Captain America, the first Avenger, except, and you know, we're going to be talking about uh, the Ant-Man book. You know, that ties into the Ant-Man movie is coming out. The Marvel agents of shield comic book that we talked about last week, the whole first page or two is Coulson and all of it is his infatuation and obsession with the invaders. He's got the, the stat cards. So they've, they've already, at least in the books, nodded towards we know that this is a thing that's important to that time period. Yeah, but that also ties directly into his the same character's fascination with Captain America in the movies. Because a 616 does not equal... <laughs> I found this out today. <laughs> Do you know what the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you know what that universe is? A 666? Please tell me. No. It's a, <laughs> the 1999-99. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So if only we hadn't worked so hard on the Y2K bug, we could be living in the Marvel Cinematic Universe right now. <laughs> Honest to God, it's a cuz yeah, as soon as you found uh this character Leet, yeah. who was uh, I looked up a couple others and all I could find was, you know, oh no, first appearance universe Earth 1999-99. Yeah, it turns out hmm. at least according to the Marvel Wiki, that's the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Interesting. Okay, so it just it just seemed interesting to me, and maybe I'm grasping at straws, but well, not necessarily. And the sad thing is, now I want to get my hands on all winners four and read it. 
and I probably could have done it for like $200 like yesterday. But... <laughs> they might have had it. They, they might have it over at our, our local comic book store. <laughs> Believe me, as of Tuesday, now I've not seen it. You could be the first person who's really made the connection in the comics <laughs> podcast or press that. world. Probably not, but this is the first thing I heard about it was when you mentioned it. I haven't seen it on any other comics websites. Mm. So believe me, as of Tuesday, if it was a $200 book, it's a $1,000 book now. <laughs> I ain't spending that much just to get a hint about what this miniseries might have in store. Yeah. Well, and I, I also don't think that the stories in that particular book lead into what they're getting into with this show it, it's just that there's definite characters that could be pulled to affect somewhere down the line in this historical time period yeah it's interesting connections yes and i don't see why these things couldn't hang together that way so i'm just fascinated by this character the destroyer now and i'm, I'm just baffled that like out of all of the characters that have somehow remained dormant and then or dead and then brought back to life. You have this guy who apparently has been running around with super soldier serum in his veins that just quietly was sunsetted. Well, <laughs> I never heard of all winners comics until today. But you've heard of the invaders. <laughs> yeah. And and I've never even heard of this guy in conjunction with them, but all of the other ones are in that book too. So <laughs> I don't look, I just work here. I, I can't read every comic in the world. I would love to. I'm tired of working. I just want to read comics. <laughs> You know, even these horrible, rip the scourge of the slimy Jap or whatever it was. Jesus. Yeah. But. So um, maybe it was that heavy handed back in the 1940s. Yeah. <laughs> maybe um, it was palpable slappy in the face. It's very possible. <laughs> but. um, So, so yeah, not having superheroes means they can just focus on the SSR. Yes. Um, They can still have cameos howling commandos this is their mm -hmm. prime time we can still see appearances from them but it, yeah it allows it to just sort of live in its own universe which i yep. think is gonna work for it and then yeah when it's done it's just fucking done right so so i i enjoyed it i i think it was well paced for the most part yeah it's yeah, I certainly want to see where it's going to go. I think they made a smart choice lightening up the second episode up to a certain point. Because yes. that first one, if you think about it, is really kind of dark. <laughs> yeah. Hi, I'm your heroine, and my job sucks, and they won't let me do what I'm trained to do. And, and everyone around me dies. Everyone around me dies, and my boyfriend's dead. <laughs> and... I almost called it, though. 42 minutes of her just eating bonbons sitting by the phone crying. <laughs> or not even crying, just tear. Tear. Well, it wasn't 42 minutes of it. It was maybe at 42 minutes, but wouldn't have been nearly as interesting. No, no. Um, I think they did a nice job of, of showing that she's got some fairly uh, strong skills, and, and the, the, the gadgets they gave her were cute. Um, in terms of it was very kind of bond like, like, oh, I've got a watch that can also open safes and I've got, you know, this yeah, it, it light was, ray gun. <laughs> it, it was nice to see sort of old school 60s Steranko shield type yeah. gadgets because that's what it always knock was. Knockout lipstick and. Yeah. The knockout <laughs> lipstick actually I had a problem with. They won't let her be a field agent, right? Right. So if all the, if all the field agents are guys, why is there a knockout lipstick? 
because sometimes guys have to go undercover as girls. I don't know. Did, <laughs> did the manly men who were shield agents in 1945 like to roofie themselves? Maybe it was of her own design. Maybe it's something that Howard Stark gave her at some point. I suppose, but <laughs> I just like happy birthday, baby. Knockout lipstick. <laughs> I, I just like the combination of you know <laughs> manly men who like to. <laughs> Dress up like women and roofie themselves. The safe words, Hail Hydra. Oh, God. If that was the case, I would really clear up a, a few scenes in Iron Man 3. So Leviathan, according to my research today, does exist as a thing in the Marvel 616. And it's sort of an Eastern block version of Hydra and had been headed by one of the various Madam Hydras at some point also. Um, so... I, I wonder if that's where they're going with it in terms of how they'll tie it eventually into Winter Soldier. It's possible. Um, yeah, because this is... We, we've established over various episodes. I'm not the biggest Jonathan Hickman fan. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it's you had discovered it was a thing in his Secret Warriors, which was yep. one of his first books for Marvel. And it was not one that I... I followed. And it's, it, it was also um, the book series that introduced uh, Daisy Johnson, <laughs> who we now know is, is Sky. Well, no, that was, that was, no, that was Secret War. Wars. Okay. Yeah. But she's in that with a bunch of other newer mutants that, um, bleh. <laughs> Sorry, I went blank there for a second. That um, Fury. I know, I'm making this up as I go. <laughs> Sorry, I, I I just I was confronted with like you know this image of of Sam Jackson's big bald head, and I blanked on Nick Fury for a second. <laughs> oh Jesus! <laughs> All right. So uh, where I was going with that was it, they're pulling very specifically on characters who have shown up in books that are are all related. So. Leviathan is in this Secret Warriors book, which also has Daisy Johnson in it, which also, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. These are all characters that they're writing into these TV properties. Oh, yeah. it's They're trying to build our Marvel universe, and the, the bigger and more interconnected they can do it, it opens up other stories, which opens up other properties that they can stick on Netflix or on Yahoo Video or... Yeah. You know, pass out on fucking cds like <laughs> like aol discs back in the God. back in the 90s thanks for the coaster i mean kevin feige's not a dope he realizes part of the strength historically of the marvel universe has been this giant mythology that you can dip into at various places and it's all interconnected and the more you can build that while still keeping it viewer friendly enough so people don't necessarily well, it's a, it's a crapshoot. What you want is people going, I need to consume every piece of this that I can get my hands on without reaching the point of, well, shit, I can't get <laughs> HBO Edge or whatever the fourth channel that happens yeah. to have D-Man show on it. <laughs> at, at, at this rate, yeah, we're going to end up with a D-Man show, aren't we? Oh, please, God, no, no. <laughs> but So... It, it, makes sense to try to create a large-scale 616-style mythology as best you can to this. You needed to reach critical mass without going over it. Yes. So, but yeah, I mean, 
one of the things I, I noticed on this that I thought was interesting is as much as the first episode beat us over the head with, yep, it's a sexist world and it's terrible that this is happening to, this is happening to poor uh, Peggy, to poor Peggy and you know, she can't get ahead. Then we're introduced to Jarvis. Yes. And we're introduced to Jarvis basically so that. The I dude, love Jarvis. Yeah. But <laughs> basically so that the, the dude playing Howard Stark can go off and do whatever the fuck the dude playing Howard Stark is doing. Without having to be in every episode, right? Um, yeah, who's the dude playing Jarvis? Something, something James, Darcy, James Darcy. I want to say um, he, he's given his best Benedict Cumberbatch through the whole thing. Yeah, he really is. <laughs> but it's this for all the oh, this is sexist and terrible to Peggy. It's exactly the reverse relationship between Peggy, Peggy and, Jarvis. and Jarvis. Jarvis is not the pants wearer in that relationship. <laughs> he's constantly saying, you know, oh, I, you know, I would like to help. I'll bring the car around. I'll you know, assist you in, in all this. And you know, she's just constantly, you know, nope, you, you can't come. Your help's not needed. I will, you know, take all of this. It, it's like, it's like you know, Lucy and Ricky Ricardo <laughs> only reversed. It's like, Peggy, I want to go blow up Hydra. <laughs> so I just think it's as long in- as he can be home in time to, to have his sherry and watch Benny Goodman and, and, go to bed with the wife by nine but even yeah that's part of the reverse it's he is the domestic who needs to be home to help his spouse clearly his wife is out doing stuff because he's getting stuff ready for her to come home so presumably she's working or sticking up banks or she's fucking leviathan or i don't know (laughs) well i wonder if we're gonna see her because we've only heard her and oh it could be a full norm vera thing it probably should be (laughs) you know if the dude's gonna be terrified by his wife's reaction yeah it's like the old Stephen King thing. You know, if you show the monster, it's like, oh, thank God it was a 10-foot-tall bug. I thought it was going to be a 100-foot-tall bug. <laughs> so, oh, he said she had long fingernails. I thought she was Lady Deathstrike. So <laughs> it's better off just not to show her. But it can't be an accident, True. That this kind of reverse characterization. I think what we're going to see as it goes along is an understanding of the Dismiss- meeting of the minds. Well, an understanding of dismissiveness and sexism and general humanity on various people's sides just by the the way that she acts in her situation when it's the things she wants, it's the people are in my way, then she's completely willing to do exactly the same shit to this poor son of a bitch who yeah. Yeah, he didn't want any goddamn part of this. So Well, yeah, and he was I'm not even supposed to be here today. So. <laughs> and she was also like that towards um Sousa, Agent Sousa's character. You know, he wants to stand up and defend her honor when they're saying awful sexist things to her. And she's well, like, I don't need your help. I think that's a little bit different. That's a, I don't need your help. I will fight my battles here. But they are ostensibly peers. Whereas yeah. Jarvis is, nope, I want to help. <laughs> and... Although, we we did overhear Jarvis's one weird kind of sketchy conversation with Stark about she doesn't even know what's going on, she'll be perfect, so one wonders... Oh, yeah. What is the underlying thing happening here? Like, is he is he really being that solicita- solicitous, or is he just trying to keep tabs on her and, and doesn't take no for an answer? Either one. I, I think they're going to make her Toro. <laughs> they're just going to... And they're going to try it with gas and a Zippo. Just, <laughs> shit, that didn't work. <laughs> Jarvis, we'll say you invented this one because the ones I invent all work. Get the patent office. So, but 
One, one thing I've decided, and I just I jotted this down as I was going through, because one thing I noticed, it's, okay, we've got all this terrible sexism that we're seeing. There's exactly one one black character in this show, and he's a criminal. Yep. And I think he's the first person to die, because um, it's always... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's... So between the casual sexism and that, it's like the showrunners are saying it's okay because we're 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 showing it on purpose for a reason. We're so, setting tone. It's the forties. So yeah, here's something I'm going to submit: any act of sexism or racism that's intentionally put in a movie or a TV show, but they're claiming it's okay because we're doing it intentionally just for effect. It should be called the Silverman test after <laughs> Sarah Silverman. <laughs> okay. It's like the, the Bechdel test, but with douchebaggery. <laughs> oh, jeez. So by my count, this show uh, got at least 17 Silverman units. Oh, God. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> yeah. So that's my thing. I invented it. I own it and all the subsidiary rights. All right. So You run with that. Um. Yeah, no, I'm just going through. At this point, it's just stuff I noticed while I was going through. We've had two people stabbed in the hand. Yes. And at least four or five people shot in the fucking face. And I, think <laughs> I think I've seen a teaspoonful of blood. Yeah. In, in the, it's, in, it's very A-team that way. In Earth 1999-99, nobody bleeds. No, yeah. Everybody's a quick clutter. Yeah. So uh, I, I loved that the head of Roxxon was Ray Wise. Yeah. Fucking Leland Palmer and the devil in Reaper. Yeah, he was in Reaper. Yeah. So... Yeah, I just thought that was awesome. But Yeah, the most blood we saw was when Jarvis needed to stitch up Peggy, honestly. Yeah. Well, you know women in there bleeding. <laughs> oh, Jesus. So Oh, you went there. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it, they went there. That's yeah. First oh, I need to leave the office. I've got female problems. Yeah. I don't want to hear about your icky female program problems. Just go. <laughs> Frankly, it's 2015. Neither do I. <laughs> You don't want to hear about what's happening with my junk. <laughs> no, no, I don't. That's the truth. So let's just do each other, do each other a kindness, and keep it under the fucking belt. Um, although I did like the throwaway joke that Jarvis had in there around <clears throat> his uh, his needlework skills were because uh, Howard was having uh, calamities with his zippers. Yeah, <laughs> that was good. He puts a lot of pressure on his zippers. Yes. But, um, yeah, I mean, one thing. All right. So the final dude with his voice box cut out was drawing something in the dirt. That's the big cliffhanger clue. And what was it? Yeah. So what do you think it was? I thought he was beginning to try to draw Hydra, honestly, like the Hydra octopus. It, see, to me, it's it looked like a heart with a ribbon through it. I think he was trying to do a classic Navy mother tattoo oh maybe yeah so i think the head of leviathan is bart simpson from the original <laughs> the original christmas special yeah maybe but no honestly that's what it looked like and if i'm right that's the kind of tattoo that you're gonna get on an all-american gi who's come home to work yeah on the and we know that somebody in the ssr is a mole yeah we know so um and then the question is going to be yeah my money is actually on Sousa because they're setting him up to be nice guy Sousa. Nice guy Sousa. So is that, I is that like nice guy Eddie from yeah. Reservoir Dogs? <laughs> nice guy Caliban and uh Penny Dreadful. Um <laughs> Okay. Um I I think it's gonna be him. 
Although um, another leading contender would be like the the lead douchebag agent who was trying to get everybody to do his filing for him. Um, I forget who that was. Uh, yeah, the, I want to say the actor Chad was, Michael Murray. Yeah, but I forget the character's name. Agent douchebag. Yeah. <laughs> I mean that's the reverse side of the coin, you know. An office full of white guys, they all look alike. <laughs> Can't tell one from another. Well, see, that's and that's where uh, you know Sue's disability will make him stand out. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> his leg's a nuke. Oh, God. Um, He's Toro. <laughs> At least they tried to make him Toro. That's where the leg went. Put it out before it reaches the groin. And Peggy Carter can't be Toro because we know she lives into her old age. We've seen it in Winter Soldier. Yeah, that's true. Oh, I hadn't even thought of that. That takes all the goddamn stakes away from this thing. Yeah. Well, you know she's not going to get killed. She's going to... Oh, son of a bitch. Well, and then she eventually gives birth to Sharon Carter, He who lives next door to... Steve Rogers, briefly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, all right. I hadn't even thought of that. But yeah, now that you mention it, it that that really sucks the stakes out of it. You know, she can't get killed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shit. The more I think about it, there really I'm a ruiner. There really aren't all that many stakes <laughs> to this show at all. Because we know she lives. We know from the one shot that she makes it to become one of the founding members of Shield. Yep. We know New York doesn't disappear because it's there for the <laughs> Chitari to fucking stomp on in Avengers. It's true. It's true. I, I'm sorry. I'm a ruiner. Well, shit. I don't know watch this show anymore. It doesn't well, matter. I do because I, I I liked it. No, it was it, <laughs> it was a good show. It was, I think it was a solid opening. You know, I'd, I'd like to see where it goes over the next few weeks. But yeah, I, I think with a, a limited story with no particular need beyond uh, yeah names and references you know and a few cameos from some of the bit players in the marvel universe from around this time yeah there's no re- no reason it can't just be a solid self-contained here is a thing that happened right right and it's it's something that you'll never be able to do with agents of shield because it will constantly have to tack and switch and i'm i'm wondering how that's going to work in the long term they've handled it okay up until the second season and really it's the best thing that happened to it in the first season where, okay, we have to do something because of winter soldier. Great. At least now we have a direction now we have for purpose. fuck's sake. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I think that this show will serve to flesh out how Peggy Carter got her groove back. And <laughs> yeah, I don't didn't. ever say that to me again. <laughs> We'll write well, it down. She's it's all, not a bad title. She 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 was all bummed out because she had no purpose after the war was over. So now she's getting one. Um, yeah, and we know that purpose will end with her becoming a, a founding member of Shield, and eventually we will probably also see her hook up with whoever her eventual husband is supposed to be, um, who I think is supposed to be a Howling Commando, but I could be mistaken. Yeah, I I honestly don't remember off the top of my head. In the Ultimates, in the Ultimates, it was Bucky, I think. Yeah, it was. It was. So, Which was, that was one of the more disturbing things, I think, to read. Well, the whole... there was a lot disturbing in the Ultimates. Not as much as in Ultimates 2, or God help us, Ultimates 3. Oh, God. It's, <laughs> Ultimates 3 is, Ultimates 3 and uh, Ultimatum are why every time I see Jeff Loeb's name on one of these Marvel TV series, I my butthole puckers. <laughs> it's like, oh, buddy, you, you've done some good stuff, but can all go horribly wrong. It could. It could. But <laughs> could bring back Sabretooth for no good damn reason. <laughs> oh, yeah. So yeah, over the course of seven weeks, we'll see Agent Carter take her rightful place. And I, I can handle being called a sexist dickhead. 
for, for the next six weeks. I am a large, semi-muscular man. I can take it. <laughs> we're waiting on that one. <laughs> I can see that. Um, I, I'm also curious, though, to see how this is going to flesh out the the time period in this portion of the MCU. <clears throat> How do you mean? Well, in in terms of some of the things we've been talking about, you know, clearly we're going to be seeing some of um, Stark's bad babies. We're going to be seeing how some of that tech plays into what will find its way into Shield eventually. Because even if uh, even if they don't necessarily get to something like a an old school Human Torch or similar, I could see them possibly coming up with technology that would lead eventually to life model decoys yeah sure um and and from there you know that can go in a variety of directions yeah i mean when it comes to under the hood of this show that could be one of the most interesting things that it does is just sort of show the seeds of in particular tony stark's technology because you've got the built-in with howard stark on it and it would not surprise me just based on what you're saying, you, you've really convinced me there's a decent chance we could at least see Jim Hammond, the original Human yeah. Torch, in a tube. Right. <laughs> not not even necessarily being the Human Torch, but I created this, and it's semi-sentient, and it's extremely dangerous. But just to drop that and have, yeah, Tony find the notes for the semi-autonomous android right. uh, in Age of Ultron. Yeah. And and we know that life model decoys are a thing because they reference them, I believe, briefly in Avengers. Yeah, at the very least, you know, you've reached the life model decoy of Tony Stark. Yeah, whether it's a thing or not, but one would have to. But that's that's the interesting thing that they they sort of talk about um, in this particular episode, and um, all, when we start talking about Ant Man, a Stark will come up with an idea, and then they feel almost compelled to to have to make it. Yeah, it, it's 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 a compulsion, and they can't stop until they've done. And it and it doesn't matter if it's a good thing or a bad thing; he just has to get it out of his system. It's like me with alcohol. Oh God! So, <laughs> and it's never a good thing. <laughs> but that's you know, it, if Howard Stark is having these ideas, we know that Tony is also also capable of having these ideas. Sure. And that's you know, I, and we know that in the comic books, that's where we see Superior Iron Man play himself out. In the MCU, you know, what drives him eventually to make Ultron? It's supposed to be altruistic, but how much of it is? Yeah. So you know, how much is, is father and are, are father and son alike? Yeah, that's that's the one thing this show and the Marvel Universe, the Marvel Cinematic Universe probably have going for it is <laughs> since they have to pay Robert Downey Jr. ever increasing salaries <laughs> just to show up in things. Yeah. You can address his character through his father who's the actor dominic cooper, cooper. yeah so just keep bringing him back and just saying okay well we'll say the nut doesn't fall far from the tree yeah and okay we'll have him do stuff and then it, it can be mirrored onto tony you know, right as we see him so it's and it's another smart marketing of oh you want to learn more about robert downey jr who you love well watch agent carter and you'll see where some of that stuff came from right Right. So I, I'm I'm interested in seeing where it goes because I'm I'm curious about how much of what I'm just sort of theorizing off the top of my head comes to fruition, and and how much of it goes in a completely different direction, which would be fine because I like being surprised. Yeah. Well, you've come up with some 
interesting theories. And uh, yeah, you, you've got me half convinced on the human torch thing. So I, I have good like ideas. See that. <laughs> yes, you do. Mine was drinking beer tonight. That's Although they you. they won't call him the Human Torch, they'll call him Jim Hammond or something. Possibly, because I don't know how those rights work out. Right. So it's it's possible. So do you want to you want to move <laughs> into? So yeah, <laughs> the the other other big selling point of the premiere of Agent Carter was the the first Ant Man teaser trailer. Yes. Uh. So. Yeah, they showed it toward the end of the show. Yeah, yep, they, in like the last fifteen minute block. Yeah, yeah. To to keep people watching Agent Carter, trying trying to keep those rating up for that fat demographic of Ant Man fans, <laughs> comic geeks who hate Edgar Wright and Paul Rudd. Basically, that's it. So those <laughs> those seven people really can make a difference, I suppose. Six. I think I think one of them like watched it twice, maybe. Yeah. So, and uh. Yeah, it was. They've done a big push on Ant Man this week. A, a couple days before it came out, uh, Marvel Studios released basically the same trailer, but only a few pixels large, so you couldn't see it. And they released the movie poster, yep. where it's just a big title, Ant Man, and you need a magnifying glass to see Paul Rudd. Yeah, because you know, smaller's better. <laughs> sure, why not? That's a wise attitude. Nowhere in America. <laughs> This movie this, is going to be huge in Texas. Yeah. Well, this officially at least makes Ant-Man the first movie where if it fails, you can't say to, about anybody involved, oh, well, at least they can make it in porn. Not with that fucking attitude. <laughs> so. Yeah, now I'm curious if there will be a porn parody of Ant-Man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Christ, I hope not. <laughs> like, how could you even, I don't even want to think about how you do that. Because I'm, <laughs> I'm picturing that Jeff Johns <laughs> scene where he just crawls. <laughs> Crawls out of Janet Van Dyne. Ugh. Yeah. Jesus. God. <laughs> oh, stop saying shit. It was like wrong that. and you knew it. <laughs> That's just terrible. <laughs> I have to I have to think this way. So let me share my nightmare with you. <laughs> uh yeah, here's the nightmare. Scott. <laughs> I've been watching you for a while now. Through a telescope. <laughs> it's not creepy or stalkery or anything. Yeah. So <laughs> So yeah, I'm I'm gonna imagine you've probably seen the trailer. If you're interested oh, yeah. enough in comics to listen to this show, then you've probably seen the trailer. But unlike you, uh, I sat down with it and broke it down scene by fucking scene. It's the first thing I did this morning. I got up and went to the computer and went through it. You have a lot of free fucking time. Uh. <laughs> In between watching the cat puke and trying to deal with the hangover, <laughs> I had a few minutes. So, so yeah, it's the thing opens because, and I want to go through this a little bit, and I, I won't go through every single thing, but I think this is just a horribly flawed fucking trailer that doesn't do what it's supposed <laughs> to do, and it's from a company that knows how to do teaser trailers and knows how to do them very well, and this was not one that worked. Yeah, because I actually learned more about the character reading the comic book today, and then it made the trailer make a lot more sense. Yeah. Um, as I'm going through this, I want you to picture you're watching this without audio. Okay. I've got some audio here. I'll play a couple clips as we go along. All right. But <laughs> and, and I'll point out, because if you picture it without audio... This is a very different fucking movie they're advertising. Okay. So the first thing we see is just traffic on a bridge. 
because nothing says excitement like random automobiles going about their fucking business. Um, it's like any 80s movie. Oh, yeah. hey, it's traffic on a bridge. Yeah. <laughs> so then we, we go to a scene of Scott Lang being arrested. Okay. Then we've got Hank Pym looking at a big bank of computer monitors. Now, out of 26 monitors on the fucking screen, 21 of them are old tube, like CRT monitors. Yeah. Which means either Hank Pym's been working on this since the 70s, you know, the same way Arnim Zola was like on 70s tube technology. Yeah. Or most of this flick's budget went to keep Michael Douglas in cigarettes and cunnilingus. <laughs> That's... Um, and I blew up, a, I took a screen grab of that and I blew up to 400% in the GIMP just to see if there's anything going on on those sure. fucking screens. And yeah, all I could see was some, some car, uh, a bunch of like Iron Man Jarvis style random graphics. And, uh, one of them was captioned either B E I N or B C I N. It looked like, hmm. I don't know what the fuck that is. And, uh, one of them looked like the life meter, honest to God, looked like the life meters, in the old xenophobe arcade game. Jeez. Um, at least no one was playing Galaga. I confirmed that, okay. that Ant-Man was not playing Galaga. <laughs> that would have been funny. So, all right, now picture all this with no audio. Okay. All right, so we've got cars. We've got a dude being arrested, a dude watching computer monitors. Um, we, we cut to Scott Lang looking pensive, and then we cut to him in prison. Now, if they stopped here... Ant-Man would have a very different and depressing fucking meaning. Yeah. So the next scene is Scott Lang driving a windowless, nondescript fucking child predator van <laughs> toward the Golden Gate Bridge. <laughs> all right. So this is Ant-Man's looking creepier all the time. Yeah. I think I saw this when it was that episode of Family Guy. <laughs> yeah. So then we got to the first view of... Uh, Michael Douglas is Hank Pym. Yep. Dressed like Gordon Gecko. Yes. So, remember when Michael Douglas was Jack Colton fucking action hero? I love that movie. <laughs> that movie's awesome. Now he's just doomed to play guys who look like they would blame their cancer on eating pussy while <laughs> smoking a cigarette. Because he's that guy. He just looks <laughs> creepy. Yeah. So then it cuts to another look at Scott Lang, and then it's the the Marvel Studios logo. So we're a third of the way through this trailer. We're about 30 seconds in. This could easily, without audio and without the Marvel uh, bullet, be a movie about this two-time loser with a penis so small they call him Ant-Man <laughs> being turned out in a federal prison while Morden, Warden Michael Douglas just watches him on his security monitors. It's the name and, he picked up in prison. Yeah. <laughs> watches him on the monitors and maybe touches himself a little bit. Yeah. So... <laughs> So 30 seconds in, I mean, anything I've said, am I wrong about how that looks? Oh, no, but I'm just saying, oh, but I'm the bad person for wondering how the porn parody is going to turn out. So, <laughs> Michael Douglas jerking off watching Ant-Man on monitors. Yeah, all right. Well, based on <laughs> based on that, it's going to be a little, yeah, that could work. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't think I would come, but. I, I know that I would not. So, uh, all right, now I'm just feeling awful. I'm, can I continue? Sure. <laughs> Um. All right, so yeah, we've got Hank Pym now at a workshop table, and he's inserting something into something else. Inserting, you say? Yeah. So it's either he's working on something, or he's building his dildo, or <laughs> maybe he's loading the handgun he'll use to take the coward's way out of deciding to be in this fucking movie. Um, <laughs> and then literally some random piece of equipment with a red LED on the side for like a second. 
It could be a computer server. It could be IKEA's new Amber Schmegma lineup, lineup entertainment center. I don't know. Schmegma. <laughs> sure, why not? <laughs> you know, because cream of Danish or whatever the fuck. It was. Swede. Cream of Swede. Cream of Swede. <laughs> then we cut to Scott Lang looking intently at his daughter who's lying in bed. Now we're back to the prison movie. Um, yep. Uh, then we've got quick cuts from a conference room to literally a series of tree roots. Yeah. And it just shows that no matter what changes might have happened between Edgar Wright and Peyton Reed working on the movie, you're always going to need to fill up a couple seconds of the trailer with some shit. So you just throw whatever you want there. Right. So uh, we've got Hank Pym going into what looks like a panic room. Scott Lang follows him in. Now I'm starting to fucking panic after everything I've seen. <laughs> uh, helicopter uh, going across the water toward a building. Logo on the building reads Pim. Uh, but honestly, I had to blow it up in the gimp. To see. Yeah. But then again, I've got an old monitor. You know, listeners, you are you might have a cure, clearer view if you've got a better monitor because you haven't pissed away all your money on fucking audio equipment in the last six weeks. And beer. And beer. <laughs> beer is not pissing away money. It's a vital fucking thing. We'll have to take a look at it on my giant 27-inch monitor. Why don't you go to hell? <laughs> uh, then we got a bald guy walking into a round room, which is not a euphemism for the prison shower clean scene <laughs> I'm fucking dreading. Uh, a cut between Scott Lang and Evangeline Lilly. Yes. Now, this is the first adult woman we've seen in this trailer it's and it's like almost two-thirds of the way through it's the only indication we have this isn't some horrible sausage fest right and and she's wearing a wig that is that is hair that looks like what um janet van dyne yeah. used to sport yeah but then we cut to scott lang cuddling back on his daughter so we're right back to perv city <laughs> um, and uh yeah the shot of scott lang opening his eyes now, this is why the audio is important because on a shot-by-shot -shot basis, now it looks like he's awaking of a, from a fantasy of cuddling up on a nine-year-old. Jesus. And I really want to shower at this point. As a complete aside, his daughter is Cassie Lang. Yeah. Now, isn't she supposed to be an Avenger at some point? She's one of the young Avengers. She the, was She's she was like a stature. giant girl or something? Okay. Yeah, stature. She could either shrink or uh, grow. Because she had pim particles or because she was a mutant? Because she was exposed to pim particles, okay. I think. So... Interesting. Yeah. We'll talk about that when we talk about the Ant-Man comic in a few minutes. Okay. So yeah, at a minute 10 in, we finally see the Ant-Man costume. But again, if you don't have any audio, this could easily be the bright red clown suit that Scott <laughs> Lang uses to just isolate and lure his child victims into his windowless, windowless fucking man. man. <laughs> so, and yeah, then it cuts to Scott Lang going, huh, and he doesn't buy this bullshit either. I wonder if you got the windowless van from Scarlett Johansson under, under the skin. Oh, God. <laughs> that was the worst fucking movie. That I've was never been so movie. bored in my life. I fell asleep. <laughs> well, you were lucky. So, yeah, I, I don't want to get into a tangent about Under the Skin. It got good reviews. Shouldn't have. Let's move on. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, and then after that point, we start getting the crosscut stuff. Yeah, then we've got, you know, he's actually in the Ant-Man suit and he shrinks and he lands in that Iron Man pose. Yep. You know, on one knee with one arm up in the air. Yeah, Ant-Man is no fucking Iron Man. <laughs> you know, he'd have to work hard. Paul Rudd would have to work hard to reach D-Man levels. <laughs> um, Weep! Yeah. 
So, you know, the dude with the machine gun, cop cars, Scott gets in the flying ant. We've got a prison yard fight, the obligatory shot of the the hero's fucking abs. Yeah. Which we always have to have. Because it's important to have, like, a strong core to be Ant-Man. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then it goes to the, the, the big final joke. One question. Is it too late to change the name? Yeah, which was... Nope, you're doomed, buddy. Yeah, a, that's the big joke. So, so, all right, you watched it. I've talked a lot about it. Let's let's start with, did it do anything for you? Does it make you want to watch the movie? Uh, I could probably wait for it on cable, honestly. <laughs> well, I mean, with with the show here, we're going to have to go see uh, well, it. Yeah, so I mean, no I think, way out of it. I think I want to see it in so far as, at this point, it's either going to be okay or a train wreck of such epic proportion. I mostly just want to know how it's going to fit into the rest of what they've envisioned for um this was this phase two or phase three at this point phase we're three in phase two right now phase we're, two. we're going toward phase three okay how does it fit in like what is so important in this that they had to have it go in a particular direction and bounce edgar right off of it like what is going to be revealed in this that somehow was going to go so wrong that they had to remove right from this well not having seen it i, I doubt it would be a case of anything wrong i think it was more a case of somebody said huh this no longer looks like a Marvel movie as we have yeah. presented. This is what a Marvel movie is. I suppose. But I just, you know, all right, what, what is going to happen in this movie that is going to tie into other things? You know, what, what purpose is this particular character going to serve that we need to introduce this particular character now? Yeah. Well, that's, a th <laughs> they don't need to introduce this character now. The only reason they're introducing this character is because Edgar Wright wanted to do a fucking Ant-Man movie and thought it would be fun. Yeah. And got Kevin Feige to go along with it and got, you know, got Perlmutter or somebody to say, yeah, sure, fine, because we've just come out with Iron Man and right now we have nothing to lose. Yeah, but I'm just saying it seems, it seems like all of these movies tie into something like somewhere in their, in their writer's room, they, they've got post-its up for every single one of these movies in terms of how it's going to pay off for the big tentpole ones that are the ensemble casts. And I'm sure something was shoehorned into this. Yeah. yeah even if it was something small to move whatever master plot uh, they have in mind constantly moving forward. Right. It didn't... Whatever it is, it didn't need to be here. I, I, I've not read the script. I really... I, I just sort of believe based on what I've heard this was supposed to be standalone yeah and yeah it's for whatever reason now it's okay we're just gonna keep on doing it we spent enough money the people who really wanted to do it aren't in involved anymore <laughs> but even outside of that just as a trailer i'm trying to figure out what the hell marvel was going for here yeah this is like i said it was, it was almost a dramatic trailer with one or two funny lines and and they were really just sort of gently funny. I mean, it's, if you follow the the bad comedy rule of right. you got a bad comedy, all the good jokes are in the trailer. That means one of the two best jokes in this movie is Paul Rudd going, "Huh." <laughs> <laughs> That's not a good fucking sign. And then asking if the name can be changed. Yeah, and if you compare this with the original, uh teaser trailer from guardians of the galaxy 
right. which was another case where nobody knows these characters and you've got, and that one was only a minute long because yeah. I went and hunted it up again today. And it was, yeah, it was that scene of uh, Chris Pratt just sort of acting like an incompetent going, whoa, man, yeah, that, that opening scene. Yeah. Um, you know, demanding that Ronan's minion call him Star-Lord, flashes to all the characters, cuts to John C. Riley saying they call themselves Guardians of the Galaxy, and then the big joke line. A bunch of a-holes. And, yeah, cuts to all the characters real quick, goes to Hooked on a Feeling, and you're out. You know what you're dealing with there. It's a movie that has action that's not necessarily taking itself really all that seriously and shows it's going to be a lot of fucking fun. Yeah. You know, with this, we've got a convicted felon and a fucking failure as a father who gets a chance to ride an ant. And he's kind of a cock about it. <laughs> I don't like the name. The superpowers you're giving me, can I have a better name? <laughs> okay, micro. So... <laughs> So, I mean, as a trailer, this a trailer, this just feels like a failure to me. Yeah. Um, and, and as a, a trailer, it feels like it can't make up its mind between something that might be funny and something that might be a, it, I don't want to say family drama, but clearly there's something going on with Rudd and his daughter. Yeah. So, well, what is it? <laughs> what What movie is this? Yeah. Now, I tried to read between the lines of this. Just yeah, there's enough here to see that there's a potential tale of redemption in this. Yes. And since Edgar Wright's still credited on the script, at least there's a piece of that original story there. And that kind of redemption, it's a recurring theme in Edgar Wright movies. Yes. You've always got guys in some state of arrested development learning how to grow up in some way. And it's always wrapped in some genre trappings. Yes. You know, from Shaun of the Dead, Hot Foot, every single one of them. They're all really good movies. <laughs> and I'm hoping that this is still one of them because you can sort of see that germ in there. Now, one thing that points towards something that may be hopeful for this movie is when Wright walked off the movie, Evangeline Lilly had not yet signed her contract. Okay. So she also could have punted had she decided to. Yeah. Um, whereas... Uh, Rudd and Douglas were locked in one way or the other. Apparently, she held out for script approval before she would sign. Okay. And and she said, you know, in her mind, after a certain amount of, of massaging, they got it right so that she felt like it, it would be worthwhile to continue to be involved in. Okay. Well, that at least... Whatever that means. I mean, that gives it some hope. She also but... thought it was a good idea at some point to, like, bone Dominic Moynihan. So, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you you got to have hobbies. <laughs> yeah, speaking of that, man. <laughs> now, don't let anyone tell you that you have nothing to offer. <laughs> Dominic Moynihan's? <laughs> He's a good man, apparently. I don't fucking know. But It was a cheap joke. I don't know. But I'm just, I'm just saying... It, it but... It's a hopeful sign. Perhaps. I mean, it's a somewhat hopeful sign, but was she interested because of the original script? Was she threatening to walk if the original script didn't come back? It was something was she... like that. She she was she was invested in what Edgar Wright wanted to do with it. So I, I suppose there's possibilities there. You know, look, we're we're gonna see it one way or the other. Yes. No, if not, just because we will probably 
it's almost the law we have to review it on this show i'm just surprised she's got enough clout that she's got script approval like well didn't, ability. She, didn't she just come out of the hobbit yeah I so suppose. you know that's a reasonable hit under her belt okay so yeah also yeah who knows you can't believe every goddamn thing that you hear from <laughs> hollywood press for christ's sake true on paper we're hollywood press oh I'm god three beers in i don't know what the fuck i'm talking about <laughs> so i just had a completely unrelated thought on on agent carter but when we get done with this i can <laughs> okay um but yeah i mean just the seriousness of this trailer trying to present you know the uh, hardcore redemptions you can't take ant-man seriously no the, you're not supposed to not in the 21st century a guy who shrinks has limited use you got your fantastic void situation and a guy fucking around inside of a machine and that's it yeah he's he's at best um you know sort of the the running joke of the avengers <laughs> yeah and and, and at, at worst he's you know ultimate avengers um yeah. hank pym or you know when he's and when he's scott lang he's the irredeemable ant-man so you have that has to be tongue no, that was that was eric Green. oh i'm sorry you're right um but but you know how yes. how, how much of a tenure does scott lang have i it, he shows up um well he was in time for um no more mutants like the end of like avengers disassembled no he was around in the 70s okay uh, he the, gets killed though during house of m uh no he gets killed in avengers disassembled disassembled all right yes sorry the trade had been in our bathroom i had read it <laughs> yes um so yeah i mean ant-man really hadn't done anything for several years until bendis brought him back to be jessica jones love interests before yeah, okay luke cage in alias right so he really hadn't been doing very much oh now i wonder now I wonder how that ties into the Netflix thing, because the Netflix thing for AKA Jessica Jones is now being pushed back from its original release time because it hasn't even started filming yet. So I'm wondering if there had been a plan for him to cross into that Netflix series. It's possible. I mean, with the with Chris Evans having half of <laughs> the first Avenger being put in Agent Carter this week. I'm sure Paul Rudd's contract allows him to be forced to show up for at least three days shooting on any Marvel project. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, if Kevin Feige wants to make a homemade porn, it'll be star-studded. Let's put it that way. No Anchorman 3 for you, Paul. Oh, no. Marvel yeah. needs your ass in uh, the Balkans. <laughs> yeah, literally your ass. We're going to bring it over there. <laughs> But yeah, shrinking characters, you can't take them seriously. The Atom was part of one of the biggest crossovers in DC in the mid-2000s. Identity crisis. Right. And what the fuck did he do there? He <laughs> he wandered around a carpet looking for evidence. Yeah. And then he shrank himself into oblivion out of self-pity. That's all he fucking did. That's true. That's so, true. What would Ant-Man have done in the Battle of New York? <laughs> Hid. Yeah. Hid. Don't worry, ma'am. I'll crawl inside that lock and let your cat out of the bathroom. I... <laughs> it's it's silly as a. Well, super... I suppose he could get really really tiny and get into like the Chitari dragon ship and blow something up. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and flying his little flying ant up, <laughs> up into space. Onward, my steed. I mean, there's a reason Hank Pym has, off the top of my head, come up with four different identities to get himself away from Ant-Man. True. 
Oh, the one thing they do show in this, oh, they no, oh, they didn't show in this, but they've been showing it in some of the other promo pictures. Is so they'll be they'll be debuting Ant Man and his armor in this and Yellow Jacket and yeah. that armor. Well, Yellow Jacket, I think, is supposed to be the villain. Yes. But I'm wondering if Evangeline Lily's character ends up getting that armor and becomes some sort of wasp. Well, I think she's supposed to wind up, yeah, being being some sort of wasp. Yeah. I'm not sure if she gets that armor or gets her own stuff, or I'm not sure how that works. Interesting. Yeah, it's, I don't know, just as a trailer, <laughs> it just, it, it was not that exciting. And the, the problem is, I, I will admit, I got a chip on my shoulder about this movie. Oh, yeah. I wanted Edgar Wright's Ant-Man. I was psyched about Edgar Wright's Ant-Man. And could, that's not what we're getting. <laughs> they could turn it around and blow me away on it. Yeah, but Jesus, I'm just, I'm not seeing it here. And I want to believe I've been a Marvel fan between the comic books and the TV shows in the 70s and these movies for long enough that I I want to believe I'm not sitting here going, God, I hope this fails because of what happened with Edgar Wright. I don't I, want it to... I, I'll grant it's possible. Yeah. I, would I, don't, lo- I, would... I don't want it to fail, though. I, I want it to at least be meaningful. Well, I'd, I'd love for it to to actually be decent. I'd love for it to be awesome. Yeah. You know, Jesus Christ, I'm old enough. I remember where you, you couldn't suck a dick to get a superhero movie. <laughs> just, they weren't around. Yeah, Howard the Duck was a big fucking deal because at least it was a comic book. Yes. I don't want them to start sucking. I don't want to go back to those days, but... I got a bad feeling about this. <laughs> I mean, I think down the line, if we have some sort of, you know, infinity gauntlet kind of thing, the potential for, you know, Chris Pratt and Paul Rudd to have witty banter in some random scene is good. But yeah. <laughs> um, but otherwise, I, I can't see, I can't see how this is going to fit in beyond it was going to be really cool when Edgar Wright had ideas. Yeah. And okay. now, meh. Yeah, look, I'm hoping the hoping the movie is better than I think it's going to be. Yeah, this was not a really great trailer. I mean, I'm rooting for it insofar as I like I, I like Michael Douglas. Um, I I don't want to see him in something that sucks. <laughs> oh, you're wicked late, <laughs> and this is not the one. <laughs> oh, I yeah, I mean, I, I've I've seen him in things that suck. They make me sad. That's my point. Yes, yes, but. This is not going to be the straw that breaks the camel's back. No, no. But it'll it'll probably still keep him in cigarettes and cunnilingus. <laughs> <laughs> that lucky son of a bitch. <laughs> All right. So, so how, how are we doing on time? Uh, it's one eighteen. Okay. Uh, all right. So I, had, I, had my, I had my random thought, though. Yes, back to Agent Carter. Agent Shoot. Carter. Because um, I, I meant to bring this up before, and then we can go on to talking about the comic books. Um, the one thing that they did point out was they caught a picture of her when she was dressed up as the blonde um, when she went to the club to go get the weapon from the guy who eventually dies. Spider, yeah. Spider. It was played by uh, Bubs from The Wire. I finally figured it out. Oh, okay, cool. Bubbles. Yeah, so. <laughs> um, but, you know, the photographer can't get her face, so all they have is this blonde in this this really pretty dress from the back. Um but if you look closely in the picture, um, you can see the bullet scars on her shoulder, which they made a point of showing okay. at the beginning of the episode when she was getting dressed and ready for work. 
So my feeling is that nice guy Sousa is probably going to be in an intimate situation with her and that's how he's going to ID her and then has to make a decision from there whether or not to turn her in or it will lead to the my suspicion that he will be the mole and now we'll know and blah. Okay. That makes a lot of sense, actually. Yeah. No, I think you probably figured out how she's going to get tagged. Yeah. So, well, all right. All right. That's enough out of me on that. All right. <laughs> so should we go back to Ant-Man just in a different forum? Yes, let's do that. All right. So. Ant-Man. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the other book. That's a different song. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. So the with the tra- like Marvel's been going all out this week trying to push Ant-Man. We had Ant-Man number one. Uh, written by Nick Spencer, art by Ramon uh, Rosanas. Yep. So, yeah, this is sort of a, if you're not familiar with Scott Lang as Ant-Man at all, this is a good introduction, and that introduction is he is a fucking loser. He's a loser. Uh, his wife's keeping his daughter away from him. He's never followed through on anything in his life. Uh, in his life, so he's uh, trying to get a fat head of security job from Tony Stark, and he will do anything to get it, just not necessarily to keep it. <laughs> So, yeah, he doesn't really have any thoughts beyond what does he need right now, and he doesn't really think long term. There's, there's no long game for him. Yeah. He's mostly driven by he loves his daughter. That's his one redeeming quality. Yes. And then beyond that, eh, what's the quick score? <laughs> that's 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 his life. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, I, I'm gonna start off with. Uh, this this comic really stinks of Axel Alonso or the actual editor of the the book is Will Moss saying you know hey Nick Spencer have, have you read Hawkeye have you read Hawkeye by Matt Fraction yeah do that <laughs> however this is not a bad thing because it works yeah you know, doing a book about the superheroes the stuff in between being a superhero it's it's relatively a new concept really with fraction and hawkeye but hawkeye's a hit because it works it forces the writer to focus on the character as opposed to the action and by focusing on scott lang this way his his motivations and his decisions over the years it it humanizes him in a way that i really can't remember anybody doing except for yeah like bendis Mm -hmm. when he did it in alias and that was like 14 fucking years ago right oh god it's been that long (laughs) Yeah, time keeps passing. I don't know what happens. <laughs> On Friday night, I open my first beer, and it's like a whole weekend's gone. I know. So. Um, although it also speaks to, the, unless you're putting him on a team, like when he was in Secret Avengers, there's not a, how much shit is there for Ant-Man to do when he's not out on a mission? <laughs> well, and, and that's the thing. This, this issue plays totally into you know i just said all he can do is do a fantastic voyage or go into a machine right and this one he goes into a fucking machine right so yeah he's he's hitting his wheelhouse right out of the gate yeah and yeah i mean what else is he gonna do the guy's a burglar so he's not gonna have a high-end job right yeah the the whole as somebody who's looked for a job in the last few years the whole oh kinko's fucked me and <laughs> how exactly do i act in this job interview you know that that hits kind of host close to home right i, I recognize that check out my references <laughs> yeah um this really seemed you know you brought up cassie lang before this seemed like more of a retcon of her yeah than of scott lang because yeah she was 
stature and for years was with Young Avengers and don't recall seeing... Now, granted, I never really followed Young Avengers, so it's not a book I read every month. Yeah. I don't recall seeing anything where she was spending a ton of time living at home with with mom. Well, she had to get exposed to pin particles somewhere. Well, yeah, but... You know, all I know is Doctor Doom resurrected her. She was dead. Yeah, I forget how she got killed, but she got resurrected in Axis. But yeah, I mean, in this, and it's only been a couple of weeks since she came back. We've got no indication she has any powers. Right. Uh, no indication she's ever had any powers. And so yeah, this whole situation of oh yeah, now she's living back with mom, and mom's scared to let her shrink, just seems a little weird. Well, and and also we know in this book that she was sick at one point, and that's why Lang, one of the reasons Lang started to steal things. Oh yeah, but <laughs> yeah, Ant Man's sick daughter was Christ. Every time you saw him in the late seventies, early eighties, yeah, my daughter's sick, and that's why I'm doing this stupid. Fu- oh, trust me, that's not new fucking ground. I remember that being a kid. It's like, really? Is that all you got? <laughs> is that the only reason you get up in the morning to do anything? But it would be ironic if her exposure to pim particles is because he decided to selfishly, spoilers, um, follow mom and Cassie to wherever the hell it is, Miami or wh- wherever it is they end up here. Miami. Miami. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the the Tony Stark dream penthouse that he is now living like, living in, like the, the doll the diorama. Dollhouse, yeah. <laughs> you know, and he shrinks Cassie down so that they can watch movies on his iPhone, you know, if, if that's what it takes, because he needs the, the machine to shrink down. Yeah. Um, but she's not wearing the machine, so he's just shrinking her. Well, I mean, that would take a retcon to basically say, oh, yeah, all that Young Avengers stuff is totally out. I- I'm willing to accept there's an explanation that fits it in the continuity without this being just a full retcon. Yeah. Because we have not seen it yet. So this felt like a retcon of, huh, we're not getting any mention that, you know, oh, she's afraid she'll, she'll shrink on her own. Just shrink on her own to get out and go to the movies if she wants to. Yeah. But. I don't know. So it just felt a little odd. Yeah. But yeah, the whole going to Miami thing, that made a lot of sense to me. Because if if you stop and think about it, Ant-Man in New York City, he's really, certainly he can shrink all the time, but when it comes to calling armies of ants, he's not going to be real effective about four months out of the year. <laughs> Whereas if you go to Miami, I've been to Florida recently, they have fucking fire ants. Yeah. You got Ant-Man with fire ants, that's scarier than fucking Galactus to me. That That is, that is not, yeah. So he, he'll have some juice down there. So that, that was a smart decision, I think. It's true. He's not cockroach, man. Yeah. He's not... <laughs> But overall, the the issue had some good geek red meat. That whole battle royale versus the Hunger Games. Yeah, that was good. There's the the Kobayashi Maru reference. Oh yeah, the the whole oh you're one of those that yeah. pops up a couple times. <laughs> and yeah, you know, one thing you know, look, we, neither of us have have been married. Uh, I've never been divorced, but I've, I've I've seen it happen to a few of my friends, and you know the whole. Using your child as a chip. Yeah, and each side feeling they're imminently being reasonable about the child and what they need, but also using it to score points off the other. Right. That that hit home with me, and I'm just an observer on that kind of shit, so. Yeah, that that was tough to read, that part of it. (laughs) 
and we'll continue to see more and more of it now that Ant-Man has moved down there. But, yes. Yes. But yeah, it's I, I really want the explanation of, okay, why the sudden fear of her shrinking? And are, are we not going to mention that she's not just the daughter in distress that we're apparently seeing in the the movie trailer? Right. Then she was... It was a superhero. Yeah. Didn't she punch a scroll in the face during Secret Invasion? Like, grow bigger than... Yeah, so one wonders, you know, what happened with the death and the subsequent resurrection. I I wonder if... I wonder if because of that, that's why Mom doesn't want her to have anything to do with superhero-y type stuff. She's just so happy to have her kid back that... You know what? We're gonna move away. We're gonna have a normal life. Screw the superhero stuff. No shrinking. <laughs> well, which is, which is possible. And all I know is, if I were fifteen year old and I could shrink and get out the window, you wouldn't keep me in the house ever. Oh, that's so, true. Oh, look, it's the police. I think I'll hide in the lawn. <laughs> I'll shrink this beer. I don't need any of you people. <laughs> Hiding in the blades of grass, drinking with the ants. And another thing. <laughs> Besides, at this point, hasn't Cassie been living on borrowed time for long enough? The first time we met her, she was freaking dying. Yeah. Oh, what the hell? I don't got that long a lifespan anyway. <laughs> Let her be a superhero, for fuck's sake. Yeah, I, uh... So you're flipping through the book. What are you looking for? I'm just wondering. All right, so... Cassie in this her her sickness is a heart condition so I wonder if her mom is concerned about the shrinking and the growing and what stress that puts on her body in light of a heart condition I mean it's possible I wouldn't imagine it puts a hell of a lot because one of the things we see in this issue is Scott shrinking part of his digestive system (laughs) he seems to be fine yeah but he's not Cassie (laughs) Yeah, true, but she's got the pim particles in her, and they're part of her physiology. He's just dumping crap into his body. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, they very pointedly don't talk about her hero stuff in here. So yeah, so I mean, bottom line, there was there was a lot to like in this issue. Some of it, yeah, the parents fighting part is a little uh, all right. That's a little uncomfortable, but that's the way life is. And yeah, getting into Ant Man's head as opposed to seeing him in action doing. The very little action that Ant-Man can do. I think this is a better approach for this book. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Nick Spencer did really good work on Superior Foes of Spider-Man. So, he... Oh, yeah, there's humor. The, the man is capable of writing humor. Yeah, so. And one of those foes shows up in here because Beetle. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. I forgot he just wrote her in that book. So Beetle um, tries to get into to Tony Stark's pants. Oh, she succeeds. And then tries to uh, to kill him. <laughs> Must yeah. be a a, a day yeah, for it's, Tony. It's a day. So, <laughs> so yeah, it's a this is a good one. And yeah, if you like Hawkeye at all, you know, yeah, it's a similar kind of take on another certainly lower list than Hawkeye, but another. Uh, I'm barely powered, and I'm just trying to get through my life. So, yeah, and and a well done version doesn't really feel like a knockoff, right? So, yeah, this one was definitely worth reading. Okay, this is the one we'll argue about. <laughs> well, not necessarily argue, but so <laughs> yes, of, of all books, we decided to talk about the unbeatable Squirrel Girl, number one, number one, uh, written by Ryan North, art by Erica Henderson. So yeah, Squirrel Girl uh, goes to college. Yes, and that's pretty much it. Yes, I, I, 
I think I was aware of this, but I found it kind of funny in light of the fact that she's, you know, squirrel girl. Uh, hold on. I'm going to need this to talk about this, uh, this book. There we go. <laughs> Try not to get beer on your equipment. <laughs> no, no. Trust me. It's going to be fine. Um, she's apparently been uh, secretly living in the attic of the Avengers Mansion. Yeah. <laughs> like a squirrel. Like You get squirrels in your attic. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. I didn't even think of that. But yeah, that works. So. <laughs> but... Uh, uh, I there's stuff to like in this. It it was it was fluffy. It was fun. I think for for readers who are looking for a comic book that is not um, self consciously grim and gritty, like so many of them can be now. Yeah. Um, grim, gritty, dark. Uh, <laughs> it's 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 drawn in a in a consciously cartoony style. Um, she is a, a not typically attractive female character. Oh, she's damn near grotesque. Yeah, um, yeah she, she doesn't have full anime eyes, but yeah, the, those buck teeth and buck teeth. She she has an actual tail, and in order to pass as human, she tucks it into her pants, so it makes it look like she's got this giant ass. Um, <laughs> and I cannot lie, you other. <laughs> yeah, I said it. Go on. <laughs> she talks to squirrels in public in front of other people. Doesn't seem to think that that's weird. Well. <laughs> Look, Squirrel Girl's a fucking punchline. Oh yeah, that that's her entire reason for existing. That she is overly enthusiastic. She's got a fucking e-list power. She makes D-Man look like the fucking Terminator. <laughs> you know, but North fully embraces that, and and I had a reasonable amount of fun with this book. Yeah, I I had more than I thought I would. I I bought it to be like, Ugh, right, let's see what the hell they're they're <laughs> doing here, but. I, he embraces, yep, I'm enthusiastic and I don't know how to have a secret identity and I talk to squirrels and I don't really know how to hide that from anybody because I've never had to do it before. And, and I don't know how to talk to people. <laughs> yeah. And embraces it all and has fun with it. Um, the problem is I'm not sure how sustainable it is because, yeah, she meets these people in short bursts just long enough to run away before she has to deal with the fact that, yeah, you're acting weird and we kind of notice. Yeah. Um, and at least one of those characters based on previews that hit the internet today is going to be showing up in a, a subsequent book. So um, that guy, Thomas. Okay. That runs into her when she's walking around with boxes. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, eventually it, that's going to have to be addressed. You can't just... Then again, I don't know how realistic you have to get with this book. One would think eventually somebody would have to say... We see you talking to squirrels. We know who the fuck you are. Squirrel girl is suddenly on campus. I mean, <laughs> and maybe that'll happen. But <laughs> maybe she'll be outed by the school newspaper. Who knows? Yeah. So it's. I'm not sure how long you can sustain it, but for a one shot, okay. I'm just reading this on its own merits. You know, I I had a reasonable amount of fun with it. It, it was fun. I. The biggest problem I had was early on with her doing the squirrel girl theme <laughs> to, the, to the tune of the Spider-Man theme. Yes. And half the time it pulled me out of the book because North would decide that squirrel has one or two syllables depending on what he needed for that particular verse. Yes. So I'm sort of more time trying to figure out how to fit these words <laughs> into the song than I am paying attention to the book. So I just want to call a mor moratorium. Uh, if you're trying to do a song joke in a printed medium and your name isn't Douglas fucking Adams, just don't fucking do it. <laughs> You're not going to do it better than that guy. And it's really hard to pull off. So I had less of an issue with that than I did with the, the need 
to put some sort of joke at the bottom of every page because not all of them worked. Some of them were better than others. Yeah, I didn't notice that at all until I was just about done with the book. Um, and I generally like that kind of thing because it reminds me of 70s Marvel comics. Yeah. And the Defenders use that. Yeah, um, the Defenders Matt, did it really well. Yeah, Matt Fraction's Defenders, yeah, use that to great effect. And this one, the font and color they used, you almost couldn't see them. So they were really hard to read to begin with. Yeah. So yeah, if, if you're going to hide them like that, they should really be almost nuclear jokes at the bottom. And they they were okay, but... Right. No, a nice little Easter egg, but not necessary. I um, I liked the art style because I think it works for this character. If you're going to have something that is so ridiculous <laughs> oh, yeah. as this character, then definitely, you know... Do it up with big goofy. You, this is not one where you're going to be like photo referencing. Yeah, don't give, <laughs> like, don't give this don't give this to Mike Deodato. He did it right with Squirrel Girl and New Avengers. That was a very different yeah thing, kind of thing. So yeah, no, I like the art in this. And I think it worked. And I think it yeah hit that level of cartoony where it didn't go full manga. Right. And also recognize this is not going to be an attractive human being. Well, it made me think of the art in Chew. The uh... Comic okay. series. I can see that. Yeah. A little bit. Um I it was it was a lighthearted book. I don't think I liked it as much as you did overall, just in ter- I, I thought some of it in terms of pacing kind of dragged a little in her fight with Craven. Um see I kind of like that resolution because realistically, Squirrel Girl cannot and should not be able to take anybody except the lowest street mugger. Which she face. does, which she does in the first couple of pages. Yep, which she does, <laughs> and makes them rethink their life choices, which I <laughs> I kind of thought was cool. But, but I I felt I didn't feel like that whole seri- sequence with with Craven was ultimately satisfying to me. It felt like I either wanted to see some kind of like SmackDown, like definitive SmackDown. Or I would have liked to her to have realized earlier on the little conceit they had with um, the trading cards that were the the unofficial Deadpool supervillain cards. The Deadpool supervillain cards are awesome, and yeah. I want them. Oh, I want them. But I would have rather she came to that understanding sooner in the book, so they maybe could have done something more with the roommate. Or apparently they're going to introduce Galactus as soon as next issue. Yeah, talk about fucking escalating quickly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's why I said, I don't know how you sustain this. Yeah, go straight to Galactus and then thank you, I'm out. Yeah, there's um, issue three is supposed to be um, some sort of giant green ape. Uh, I, I saw one of the uh, upcoming covers. <laughs> that wouldn't be the Hulk, would it? No, it was a green ape. Okay. <laughs> Just checking. Um. I'll see where it goes. I, I think I think if they can just sort of work on the overall pacing of the storytelling. Yeah, look, I'm not going to recommend you throw this on your polls. Because like I said, I, I don't know how you sustain this in any way. I'm not sure I'm not sure the second issue is not going to be exactly the same as the first. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure it's not going to get old real quick. But I had fun with this first one. Yeah. You know, you know, trying to talk Craven out of hunting... <laughs> As opposed to actually hunting that was halfway Scott, I need you to be the ant man. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> I 
the ominous organ music in the background there. Yeah, it looked, and and that had no place in this conversation. But by God, I took the time to pull the audio for oh, today's show. I was going to fucking use it. So I want to know more about this roommate. Her, that was the thing. Reading this, I I want to know more about the roommate. Okay, I'm not sure why, but it was something along the lines of when when Doreen was making up the stuff about um, you know, Craven, the college administrator who screwed up my classes. And then the roommate goes online and realizes that her, her classes have been screwed up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there, there could be something there. It's the comments that she made around um, breaking the law is the only like just thing to do or something. Uh, obeying an unjust law uh, is in and of itself unjust. Unjust. Yeah. Yeah. So how does that play into you're living with someone who is, to whatever degree you want to own it, a superhero? Certainly more than me. But <laughs> yeah, look, this is not high art. And like I said, I don't know that this can be sustained. We might see more of the same, more of the same, may get boring real fucking fast. Perhaps. This this particular issue, as treat it like a one-shot, there's some fun stuff in there. Yes. The second issue might be, uh, okay. Yeah, I can no longer sustain the disbelief of nobody is noticing this is going on. You know, <laughs> escalating to Galactus might be a bridge too far. I don't know. But as a one-shot, I almost wish it had been a one-shot. Then I could just say, you know, this this is fun. Comics are supposed to be fun. This one's just big, stupid fun. Yeah. Just get past the goddamn theme song and the music jokes, and you'll be fine. <laughs> I'm certainly not going to say throw it on my polls, but uh, this particular one, if you haven't picked it up, flip through it at the store. It's fun. Yeah. So, anything else on that? How no, are we doing on time? That's pretty much all I have to say about that. I will say, if you, if you read this and you decide that you like it, then you should, okay. if you haven't already, uh, go find Scotty Young's Rocket Raccoon. <laughs> yeah, also a lot of fun in a, a similar vein that has sustained itself very well over the four or five months. Been yes. Going. So, <laughs> all right. Anything else? Nope. I think, I think that covers everything that I wanted to talk about. All right. So... I guess that will uh, close it up. Yeah. You can, uh, don't know where the fuck you found this show. <laughs> but, the Intertrons. Yeah. But you can always find us at our home website, crisisoninfinitemidlives.com. Uh, we are on Facebook, although I don't know what the fuck the link to that is. <laughs> uh, there is a link off of our, our homepage. Yes. And we don't update nearly as often as we should, but we do get messages through it. So you can certainly get in touch with us through that. We are on Twitter. No, I don't know the fucking Twitter handle. Just say the goddamn Twitter handle. <laughs> At Infinite Midlife. Yes, thank you. Uh, we are available on iTunes. If you find us there, do us a favor, shoot us a review. Uh, We're on Gmail, um, Crisis on Infinite Midlives at gmail.com. Yep. Uh, if you want to shoot us a, an email. Yep. We are members of the, proud members of the Comics Podcast Network. Yes. And I think that is it. It is. So this has been episode 50 of the Crisis on Infinite Midlives podcast. I'm Rob. And I'm Amanda. Thank you for listening and Dirk. Dirk. Next time I'm bringing four beers up. <laughs> <laughs>